Welcome, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you can find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who has become way too familiar with his couch, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, you know, it, I, I'm fantastic. Uh, I, I have a, I have a feeling as we, this is a, a future, uh, discussion of West Virginia, that couches may come up, but no, I, uh, I am, I am, I am more than ready to, uh, to be stretching my legs a bit, Gerald. I, I think I told everyone on here, I've been biking, uh, a, a bit and it, I've fallen to the wayside. I haven't done good. So my, my goal is to get back to biking about three times a week with the wife. Uh, at least I was doing like five for a while, but you know, then the novelty rides off, it wears off. You start to, you know, you get a little sore from that saddle every day. It won't go into detail there, but, uh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm still plenty this. Uh, okay, guys, let me say this. I missed what last week, two weeks ago for my celebrating my first anniversary. This is going to sound super sappy. My wife has never listened to this podcast ever before, maybe like twice. Um, this will be the one I direct her to, uh, you get stuck for four months with someone every single day sitting on the couch next to him, working in the uh, the room next to him, and you think, man, I, uh, I'm going to kill myself. But uh, that has not happened to me yet. Uh, we have been almost, uh, let's see, four out of, of 12. A, a third of our marriage has been spent sitting next to each other 24 hours a day uh, in the same house all the time without break. Uh, and we have, we have yet to get tired of it. I fall more in love with her every day. So... Um, you know, it's not so bad. This couch, it's not so bad. That was beautiful. That was, that was really that was really good. Please listen to this. Good. Drew, listen to this. So we are optimistically, tentatively, hopefully, prayerfully, whatever you choose to call it, 59 days away from kickoff. So we are deep into our season preview, and we have the distinct pleasure of welcoming on Andy Facemeyer of the Smoking Musket to help us preview the West Virginia Mountaineers. Andy, how are you doing today, man? I, I'm doing pretty good, uh, about as well as anyone can be doing in whatever uh, whatever marketing euphemism you want to insert uh, troubling, trying unusual times what well, just insert the euphemism i'm doing pretty well uh we usually my, my company usually goes for unprecedented is what what they've been using a lot unprecedented times it's a good one it was the worst of times it was the worst of times we're here we're here we're making it <laughs> we haven't got to the second part of that but it's a dickens book which means it's really long it takes you a long time to get to that so. that's so, fair trying to get paid by the word like he was so <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna preview the west virginia mountaineers and so we kind of have to start with this and it's kind of a tough thing to, to talk about off top but um defensive coordinator vic caning was placed on administrative leave following a player going on twitter and accused Using him of some mistreatment, so I know there's an investigation. It's only about you know a week or two old, but you know what's what's going on with that, and uh, yeah, what's going on? Yeah, so unfortunately, there's not much you know not much has came out other than the two official statements. One from uh, well, three I think now. One from uh, from athletic director Shane Lyons, another from um, head coach Neil Brown, and then one from Vic himself. 
And, you know, our edit, you know, I'll just say the editorial line from the smoking musket has been the whole way through that, um, you know, we think that the, whatever decision th that is made towards his future, it really needs to happen with the players involved. Um, I've been away from the program just for a little bit. So I don't know as many of the, the key figures involved in this as, as maybe I would have maybe two years ago. Um, but I don't think anyone can be surprised when these sorts of things pop up. Um, we all know that, that football coaches in general, and I don't mean to stereotype because there's some great coaches that I've worked with over the years, but we all know that, you know, they tend to be maybe a little more on the old school side. I, I don't think, you know, I think it's so, it's a hard topic, but I honestly think that, you know, whatever happens, at least I'm hopeful and I feel like that, the administration in place. I think the fact that they made a statement so quickly and acted really quickly speaks to sort of a little bit different version of the program. And in years past, when something happened at WVU, particularly at athletics, there was a real tendency to sort of be like the British royal family of, <laughs> uh, you know, never come, not not commenting. You know, no, don't don't what is it? Don't don't complain. Don't explain. Right. Um, and things were kept really under wraps. Uh, for those of us who are old enough to have lived through the saga of Bill Stewart and before that, Rich Rodriguez, you know, so much of that was like really, really played on the side. And we didn't learn about it until afterwards. Um, so I think the fact that they got out in front of it was, you know, at least for me, really, you know, good. And, you know, whatever your politics are and whatever your 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 feelings about you know, everything are, I think it's really great to see, for me anyway, my personal view, and it's just my personal view, but I'm really glad to see players start to assert themselves a little bit more. Um, so much of the game depends on them. Um, and for them to finally sort of, you know, I think collectively wake up and realize, hey, we have power here, you know, um, and that without us, there isn't a football season and without a football season, well, a lot of college athletics isn't happening. Um, so that's, you know, again, just sort of an aside, but I think that, you know, where do they go from here? Um, I think there's a lot of talent on staff that can step up. I think uh, Jamal Adai would be a really popular pick to sort of move into more of a front, front you know, fronting leadership role. Also Jeff Castile, who led uh, several very successful WVU defenses, um, both under uh, Rich Rodriguez and then under, um, you know, then throughout the years under under different had leadership with with uh, Bill Stewart, had some really great defenses under Bill Stewart, um, is on staff now uh, in sort of an, an administrative role. And I know that his sort of end of the, his tenure at Arizona wasn't fantastic as far as defenses go, but he was very good at WVU. Um, particularly knows the knows a three three five really well, even though we moved to more of a more of a three four look under um, under Vic. So, um, but knows the three man fronts really really well, and I think would be you know a good pick if if that if it comes to that. You know, no one really knows what the end game is. Um, obviously, if it's going through a WVUHR investigation, um, you know, it could be a while before they make a final decision, and I wouldn't super really expect something before fall, um, particularly given, you know, the circumstances and how everything's sort of delayed anyway. And 
Uh, again, I don't know if it's a, like how formal the inquiry is. You know, having been a WVU employee, I know a little bit about like how WVU's processes work and they tend to be a little slow and, and, and laborious for normal employees, but obviously football coaches aren't normal employees. So we'll just see, like I said, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that whatever the resolution is, that it's one that all of the players um, can feel supportive of and that WVU fans can feel proud of, um, you know, that we were able to, you know, if it's, you know, Vic comes back, that he came back in a way that recognizes, you know, where he, he's, he's able to have some personal growth and show that personal growth and that players have faith in him as a leader um, and as, as someone who has a position of power over them. Um, and if he doesn't come back, well, then, it, you know, I wish him luck in the future and hope that he has that opportunity to grow as a person as well. So I, I think that's a great answer. And, and, you know, it's always tough. Sorry to start you on a, a tough one. It's always to talk about the football implications of uh, real world stuff. And Gerald and I... <clears throat> I've had some uh, some episodes the past few weeks where we've had to tackle some some things even here in our own house in in, in Texas, but in the Big Twelve, looking across uh, and an opponent, it's it's obviously been a part. You can't be someone who lives in the college football atmosphere in in 2020 and just ignore this stuff, which uh, we both agree is is probably a, a very good thing. But let's keep it with the coaching staff and look kind of on the uh, the other end of it um, with, with some probably optimism, I would imagine. This is the second year of the Neil Brown era. Um, West Virginia obviously going five and seven uh, in his first year, but did show some promise as, as the year closed. Um, they, uh, I think probably a red zone miscue against, uh, Oki light from, uh, going three and out to, to finish the season and get that bowl eligibility, which I, you know, uh, weirdly found myself kind of, kind of hoping for. I was, I was, I was rooting weirdly for, for West Virginia, which, uh, my, I had a former, uh, coworker who was a, a, a mountaineer. So I've, I've had more UT West Virginia bets than, than probably most people. I had like a 10 year running one or eight i don't know how long you've been in the big 12 but um either way uh, um that's all to say what do you expect year two neil brown era um wh- what are you looking for this year yes yeah, so i think you're right i think last year there were a lot of positives um you know we had that we had a pretty decent start to the season with the exception of the missouri game which uh should probably never be shown in any form ever again uh, maybe the worst football game I've ever watched through from start to finish. Um, but the rest of the season was really, you know, up and down. There were some moments, but I think that really that final season, you're right. We were really a, a, a fourth down call away from probably winning that game, the, the okay light game and, uh, you know, getting into a, a bowl situation, which I, I was really rooting for because um, I moved to West Virginia, moved from West Virginia out here to Arizona. And it was a really good chance we were going to be in the whatever they're calling it now, the Motel Six Bowl or the Meteor, whatever they call the bowl in, in uh, Phoenix now. Uh, there was a really good shot that that would have been where we got shoved to, and which would have been awesome for me. Um, but so looking forward to to next year or to you know this coming season, I think um, you know what fans are looking for and what I'm looking for and what you know I would say Neil Brown is hoping for is just steady improvement. Um, I think that we have a real opportunity to, you know, get back into that sort of eight and four, seven and five, uh, have a winning season, um, be competitive against the top, top opponents. So, you know, we were able to beat everyone in the league except for Oklahoma uh, during Holgerson's tenure. So I think if we're able to, to be competitive 
um, against the top of the league and, you know, win, you know, win some of those games. Um, you know, the, the, when we look back at the Holgerson era, it's really a lot of missed opportunities. Um, if we're, if we're being very honest with ourselves. So I think for, for, you know, year two, that would sort of be my sort of baseline would be seven and five, uh, eight and four kind of season where you, you, you show some more progress, you know, the, the offense continues to click, uh, the defense continues to get better. Um, and where we're able to, you know, at least compete against the top opponents. I don't think anyone's going to expect us to go in, you know, and, and beat Oklahoma uh, or, or, you know, something like that. But I think it's a great opportunity for us. And, you know, with no one, I think, knows what the football season is going to look like at this point. So, you know, it, that could change, you know, even more depending on, um, you know, how that looks. But I think just looking at the schedule, you know, we have some – we don't have that tough gauntlet up front that we had last time. Uh, I'm not sure who in their bright mind decided to schedule, um, you know, some of the non-conference opponents that we had last year. Actually, I know who it was. It was Oliver Luck. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, we do have a tough game to start with, with Florida State, and I think that's a great opportunity to really put a stamp on the program. Um, those are, you know, those non-conference game, non-conference neutrals games, or even non-conference early games. Like you guys know, um, for Texas, how big that has been the last few years for you all to really start off with an opportunity. And so I think that Florida state game is, is a great game, but for me, really the game that I, I would be, you know, more interested in the game where I think could be able to tell what the rest of that season is going to look like for us is, is Maryland historically, um, you know, for those of you who aren't, you know, WVU fans, the WVU Maryland game has always been, you know, a, a pretty good barometer of teams, actually. Teams who lost to Maryland rarely made a bowl game um, over when we played them on a re fairly on a regular, you know, year to year basis back when we were in the Big East. So and that kind of has continued for us. Um, so I think uh, the Maryland game theoretically is going to be at home. So that's a, a really great opportunity against a big 10 team. Um, you know, I don't think Eastern Kentucky is going to be much of a challenge. Um, so I think for us, you know, if we can get to eight and four, um, seven and five, I think that would be a really positive first step forward. Um, and then, like I said, be competitive at least with Oklahoma. That's a home game. So you'd, you'd like to think that um, obviously I would like to see us beat Texas anytime we can just because, uh, you know, that's a that is one of those games where you can get some national attention for your program because you guys do have such a you know a high profile and it's a road game and and anytime you can go in and DKR and get a win, it's a big deal I think for any program, but certainly a program where you're you're trying to get back onto where you're a national contender and your brand is sort of nationally known again. I'm super triggered by talking Maryland early, so I don't <laughs> even know where to go from here. Um, but I'm, I'm very, very much off kilter and trying to recover as we continue to try to have a podcast. Uh, but no, it's fine. Um, so part of what may have, I think, yeah, how, how about those Terrapins early, you know, um, I've got this nothing out, to Gerald. say. Don't even bring it up. If you don't speak into existence, it'll go away. We never I, lost to Kansas got, either. No, got nothing to say. <laughs> uh, so when we look, I, well, I, I, who would lose to Kansas in football? How would that ever happen? I don't know. I no, really would, don't know. would not know anything about that. <laughs> no. So part of I think what may have like 
triggered that upswing at the end of the year was was the switch from Austin Kendall uh, to Jarrett Deggy, who got an immediate kind of transfer waiver from Bowling Green. Uh, he was a starter for the final four games of the season, again, going two and one in those final three games. So is he going to be the man again for uh, West Virginia if football happens or or is it going to be a competition again? Like, what's it going to look like? I mean, I'm sure Neil will say that it's going to be a competition, but I think I think everyone around the program expect, expects it to be Daggy. Um, you know, Austin seems to be like a great guy who who has who has football coach written all over him in the future, uh, position coach at some point, uh, but just did not like. There were so many times early on in the season, you know, in those games that he started, where we would be moving the ball and he just couldn't read her out. Like he just couldn't throw the route. Like he did not have the ball. He could throw short and intermediate stuff. Just just doesn't have the arm to stretch a defense. Um, and, and so, and even some of those short throws, like he he would underthrow. I, I like you want to talk about pain. I'm just thinking about some of the underthrows that he had that were just like oh, what. Um, so I, I would be really, really surprised if Austin Kendall was the starter. Uh, I think that if it's not Dahey um, to start the season against Florida State, that it's, it's you know, one of the young recruits that he's brought in would maybe be the, the alternative, although I don't, think, I don't think that's likely to happen. So I think the general sort of understanding is that it's going to be Dahey because, like, the offense just looked competent with him. <laughs> like, that was sort of, you know, to, to explain where we were, you know, before that three game that, you know, before we started had those last couple games where we looked good. It was really just asking for often offensive competence. Uh, and I thought, you know, I, I kind of, some people thought that he should have like held on to, you know, held on for Kendall a little bit longer. And, and I, I, I defended him maybe longer than I should have because I thought, you know, we can game manage but honestly, the biggest thing is just we have to have a rushing game. Uh, if, if we can't run the ball, then it doesn't matter if he's a quarterback, to be perfectly frank with you. Like, I don't know if maybe if Kendall had had a running game in front of him at all, like anything, you know, if he would have been a little better as a game manager and could have managed situations a little better. But, um, you know, I think the running game has to improve before you know the quarterback play is obviously really important and can bail out the running game a little bit but um the fact that we didn't have a running game at all was you know really concerning to me um especially because that's where we had so much strength at uh on the offensive line and, and uh you know in the backfield so like i said i think Daggy will be the starter um i would be really surprised if he wasn't um I would wonder what's going through Neil Brown's head that he continued to think that Austin Kendall was still better, but um, you know, and I get sticking with your guy. I really do, but I, I don't, I don't necessarily think Kendall's more his guy than, than Daggy is, but um, so that's, you know, I think that would be, I think that's sort of where we would be at would be uh, that it would be Daggy. I think he's got the tools. Um, I'm not necessarily certain, you know, WU's had a lot of, you know, really great um, quarterbacks over the years. And so I don't think he's particularly like, you know, in the pantheon of some of the really great WVU quarterbacks and some of which you've had an opportunity, you know, to see since we've been in the Big 12. So I'm not sure if Daggy's there yet. I don't want to say that. Um, but I do think he's got, you know, a lot more. I think his upsides and his uh, sort of ceiling are way, way higher 
than um, than any of the other options. And quite frankly, the the floor it, he can't be worse. You know that that was how I felt about the Kendall situation was just that like you would watch the offense and it was like he he would under, I, again some of the if you go back and watch some of the balls that he underthrown you're just like what what is going on here and what what killed me about that though was like how hard Oklahoma fought for him like to keep him from being able to play like if Austin Kendall proves anything it's that the Oklahoma transfer magic only is a one way uh spell um so uh it it doesn't doesn't transfer the other way but either whoever was a, a quarterback whether they're underthrowing him or not the target Oftentimes, go-to receiver seemed to be uh, redshirt freshman Sam James, who put together uh, 677 yards on 69 receptions. Uh, nice. Uh, how will he develop in his third uh, year on campus? And um, I mean, is is he is he the the name that Longhorn should know? I think he's definitely going to be you know the big target. Um, he had a really really great season last year. Uh, one of the the few standouts, I think you can honestly say at the at, at on offense that just really impressed, you know, everyone, including myself. Um, so I th- think he'll definitely be a big, you know, a big focus. Uh, I, I'd like to see him, you know, continue to develop. I think, um, you know, him, uh, we'd like to, I'd like to definitely see, uh, you know, Letty Brown get back to sort of the, the, the back that we saw in glimpses um, occasionally, if he can stay healthy. Uh, Alex Sinkfield, I think also, you know, pretty good in, in spurts. Um, and, and a lot of people, I think there's some people who are high on uh, Tony Mathis Jr., although I don't know if he'll play or not. Um, he is a, a, a pretty highly, you know, respected freshman recruit. So we'll see about him. Um, you know, I think the running game is going to be where I really want to see the development um, because it's not – you know, Neil Brown runs this sort of spread offense that's uh, – he comes out of that sort of tree of, of gunslingers, but it's not that kind of spread in that way. It, it's not, um, you know, it's not the Mike Leach kind of spread where you, you're running so much short offense that you can get away without having a running game. Um, so I would thank him. I think T.J. Simmons. Um, obviously, T.J. Simmons has been really great in bursts over this over the, you know, his career. Um at WVU since transferring in from Alabama. Um, so I think, you know, if he can stay healthy, that would be great. Uh, Allie Jennings, I think, is another one to keep an eye on. Um, had a pretty good freshman campaign. Uh, Bruce Wheat- Bryce Wheaton is another one I would keep an eye on. So I think it's going to be more um, – my guess is that it's going to be a little more by committee this year than just Sam James bailing out uh, bad throws. Um, so that would be what I would keep an eye on is just, you know, the development of more of a committee style wide receiver setup and hopefully some, you know, anything at running back. I'd love to see us, you know, have a threat at running back again and get back up to averaging a hundred yards a game. Well, actually being able to have like more than 50 yards a game would probably be a marked improvement. That seems fair. That seems like a fair, insane expectation for a running back. So we've covered the offense pretty thoroughly. So defensively, the secondary for West Virginia is, 
going to need some some reloading. Josh Norwood and Hakeem Bailey are no longer on campus, but uh, Sean Mahone, the leading tackler from a year ago, does return. Uh, the Big 12, let's, we're, I mean, we're among friends. The Big 12 is a passing league, and so the defensive backs are a need in this conference. So who's, who's going to step up for West Virginia? Who are going to be the people that uh, will step into those shoes? Well, I think, um, you know, Jake Long is one to definitely, I think, has to come up uh, in, in the backfield of safety. Um, probably Kerry Martin, who, who we sort of obliquely talked about earlier, um, but Kerry Martin's definitely going to have to feature into that. Um, and really the linebacking play, uh, the cornerback play, I think, will come along. But to me, it's really linebackers in, in any kind of a 3-4 system, and particularly with this, like, hybrid um, – I'm curious to see if, you know, what happens if Vic leaves, if they do, you know, move more towards like a three, three, five, um, which Jeff Castile ran, which we actually had some luck with at WVU in recent memory. Um, you may remember the, the defenses of, of the, the one time, the like two seasons that, uh, that uh, Mike, that uh, Holgerson played defense. That was because of, uh, of uh, Tony, my, my my brain has like zapped away, but um, <laughs> you know we ran a three three five. Basically, we just went back to a three three five. But I think you know, obviously, uh, thinking about the cornerbacks though, in particular, um, I would say you know uh, Nick Troy Fortune maybe as a freshman. Obviously, Deshaun Miller um, or Drayshawn Miller. Sorry, I pronounced his name wrong. A bunch of young players in the system, so I think it could be you know someone who comes up who we've never heard of. They they did recruit a lot of young players into the system, um, you know a lot of guys. Uh, we've had a couple really solid recruiting classes now uh, for for uh, for Coach Brown. I think they've put together a pretty good class again this year. So I think that my guess is you're going to see someone pop up on on defense. Uh, in the in the defensive backfield, who we haven't heard of, um, so that that would sort of be my thoughts, sort of early on. Um, but again, I think the linebacking core is going to make a huge difference, and I don't know who that person at linebacker is going to be. I I, I feel like that's a, to me a pretty big question. Obviously, Dylan Tonkery uh, is the first name you think of. He's been you know really really stand out. Um, so him and maybe um, you know someone like that'll have to help him out but uh, that's sort of how I feel like is that uh, the the defensive backfield I think will will have its trial by fire early and, and have to catch up although we play our first game was against Kansas State so maybe not you know I think we'll maybe get a little bit before we see a real high powered offense um, although no one knows what no one knows what Florida State will look like with Mike Norvell. Um, you know, that that actually could be a trial by fire right away, depending on, you know, how quickly he's able to to put his offensive system in. So, you, But you're right. I think that's a big question for WVU is who steps up into that cornerback role, and that'll definitely determine, I think, maybe the difference between, you know, being a, a seven and five kind of struggling to get a bowl game and, you know, maybe up in that upper echelon. So, Well, that's a uh, fantastically comprehensive uh thorough through the 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 prepared 
portion of the interview. You hit on all the high notes of the team. However, we don't bring our guests on really just for the football analysis. Obviously, we could get anyone to do that. We like to bring you in here um, and then kind of go through our rapid-fire round. This year, uh, we're calling it Hook Them. Gerald will tell you he hates the name uh, of that. Uh, But, uh, you know, nonetheless, we're going to give you a couple kind of off-the-wall questions. And you tell us the first, uh, the first response that comes to to your head, and, and I'm going to let Gerald tee you up with his favorite, uh, his favorite of the bunch. So this is a weird thing I've been doing for the last six weeks now. I'm six for six. Is I've been able to find even the most tangential connection to professional wrestlers. So former WWE tag team champion Heath Slater and former smelliest wrestler in the WWF Henry O. Godwin were both born in West Virginia. And I cue all that up to say, if there was a player on the West Virginia roster that had a future, that would be the next West Virginian in the WWE, who would they be and what would their name be? It would be the Sills Brothers as a tag team. And I I don't know what, you'll have to come up with like some name for them, but I think having those two, like, I mean, their whole mantra is get there for like, which one of them can get to the quarterback first? Like, perfect like they just like tee off on each other so i don't know like a good name for them would be that's you know that you have to give me like five seconds longer than that but definitely the Sills brothers would be my pick it's good I, that's that's probably one of the better responses we've got to that question i'm really and, impressed and right off the dome and then you you can also uh you know you could be sure that about three years into their run they'll have the off the wall storyline where david sills comes in as the the uh, <laughs> secret third sills brother that they didn't know about because uh, you know they love drama um <laughs> gerald before and you at move- some point you do have to mention that he signed with usc in eighth grade you just have to throw that in there you do it, it, it it's contractually required absolutely it is gerald i want you to just elaborate quickly um you said uh henry o godwin was voted the the smelliest wrestler in the wwe can you tell me what the wwe version of the dundee or or, or i guess grammy award is called in which he received that they're called the slammies that's amazing i (laughs) when you said that pre pre pre-show he he was telling me that i i swore he was lying i had to google to uh to believe that so we're gonna we're gonna keep it with uh tangentially related to sports uh here a little bit for the next question so i'm gonna rattle off uh, are you you're you're a a west by god virginia man through and through right are you okay all right so then these these names should should be of no surprise to you so i'm just gonna list off full the pride of folins b west virginia obviously lou holtz um kaiser west virginia's own john cruck uh and vandalia west virginia's uh son uh by the grace of god td jake so uh now you you've heard three names. Now here comes the question: Who would win a foot race between Lou Holtz, John Cruck, or TD Jakes in 2020? Oh God, Lou Holtz is probably in a golf cart. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> Lou Holtz in a golf cart. Lou Holtz oh, sneaks oh, in with a golf cart. I love it. Lou Holtz. Perfect. <laughs> so one of the I one met of the... Lou Holtz once. It was a it was a good meeting. <laughs> I have a fun story about Lou Holtz. I just, uh, just more tangentially, I was working uh, for ESPN doing spotting duties in the box. And uh, Lou Holtz, it was a Thursday night game. And uh, Lou Holtz was, was doing it. And they brought in Don Nealon, the great Don Nealon at halftime to come. You know, they always do that kind of like in the fourth quarter or whatever. They, they talk to the, the old, you know, alumni coach. And then they were off air. 
And Lou Holtz was like, I just want to tell you, Don, you whipped Joe Paterno's ass, and it was the best thing I ever saw. That's amazing. I just loved it. It was like, man, they all really hate Joe Paterno. I agree with them. And this was way before that ever came out. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. Uh, so one of the, one of the top moments I think in our podcast history was, was the first year we ever did this. Um, and, and Kirchner came on and informed us that because of the, the penchant for couch burning, that actual porch couches are illegal in Morgantown. And so if you can't sit on a couch outdoor, what is the best alternative for front porch seating? If you can't go couch, what's what's your next best choice? Well, I'm a West Virginian of the old school. So I would say um, a swinging porch, you know, one of those swinging, you know, swinging benches, because yeah. those can also be burned. And yes, <laughs> they, they honestly, to God, there is an ordinance that, that bans outdoor ex- outdoor in or indoor furniture being outdoors or something and they they do enforce it as like if there's a game coming up they will they will go down the streets and and give people pre-citations and say you need to get your couch off of the door it's the wildest thing and to this day i still don't having been part of a couch burning having been part of several couch burnings i still don't know what went through anyone's mind they're like let's get the couch out and burn it like, I've never understood it, but yeah, that that is a thing. So yeah, you can. I would have a porch swing, which is which is also flammable usually because they're usually made of wood. The, that that detail makes it perfect that you are you you not only are thinking of seating, but in true mountaineer fashion, are also looking at flammability as a key metric in that equation. That's fantastic. So um, I am going to uh, I'm going to finalize it here on one that I spent some time dreaming up. So I have two scenarios here for you. You can choose option A or option B, but I am going to let you know beforehand that each of these comes with the caveat. So option A, we're in quarantine. We're stuck. We have so much uh, media we can consume. Um, most of us are, are locked in or self-isolating for some percent of our time. So we've taken in a lot of media. So option A, during that time, during all the time you were spent in your house, you could listen only to Brad Paisley songs or option B. You could, you could watch only Matthew McConaughey movies. Now, the caveat is for option B, watching Matthew McConaughey uh, movies, you have to keep the horns up where they rightfully belong while doing it. And for option A, listening to Brad Paisley, every fourth song has to be that terrible duet he did with LL Cool J called Accidental Racist. So you get to uh, pick your poison, my friend. <laughs> Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm torn because this means I'm going to have to watch, if I do, if I watch a McConaughey, if I watch only McConaughey movies, at some point I'm going to have to watch the travesty that is We Are Marshall. Oh, um, fair, fair. But I, I don't think I could listen to, uh, to, to, to Brad Paisley that long without losing my mind. <laughs> um, and, and I think I could control myself on the not having to have horns down where they're supposed to be um so that would that would i think be my option so love it beautiful wonderful so andrew thank you so much for taking some time out of your uh of your evening to spend some time with us man if people want to find what you have going on man where can they find you on the internet um i'm on twitter at statsboyandy andy with an i 
Uh, so yes. that's where I'm pretty much at. And uh, I write occasionally for Smoking Musket, not probably as much as I used to, but uh, also more basketball. I do a lot of our basketball work. So long live Kevin Pitsnoggle. Yeah, the and and Pitsnoggle's mama. She used to sit like right on the edge of like a, a a railing, and she would like I swear to God, I was afraid it was gonna like fall over onto the court at any moment when when either Pitsnoggle was fouled or he did something. It was Mama Pitts was always a highlight of any f- basketball game for me. That's exactly how I imagined her. <laughs> awesome, man! Thank you so much. Exactly what you imagined. Thank you guys very much. Uh, this is a fun, fun time. Thanks. We'll do it again soon. All right, Gerald. So that was a fantastic interview. We ended on a uh, on a bang there. Um, but now it is the time, just a brief, brief time for everyone's favorite part of their week where they come and look out the, uh, the world through burnt orange lenses. So because I'm thinking West Virginia, and I remember though that game gave me anxiety a couple times, it ultimately was uh, was a fun game. It was had a couple of the better highlights uh, of the season last year. And Gerald, because I'm, I'm an absolute jerk, I'm going to make you pick between two of the, the singular best moments of the season last year. Gerald, you have to pick one play Put you on the hook to them challenge here in the burn orange lenses. One play from that West Virginia uh, to uh, to to keep and the other to go away. Are you t- taking the Jameson ridiculous athleticism uh, interception or the Sam Cosme uh, Peisman moment of his his TKO TD? So I I want to like I would. Rest in peace, Banner Society, for the Peisman. I think it's something that we do have to say uh, currently, but. Um, Man, like, also our Twitter header is the Cosme touchdowns. Like, that that has to be the choice here, right? Like, as incredible as the Jamison interception was, and he'll continue to make those incredible plays, um, and he'll also beef with idiots who didn't get offered by Texas on Twitter. Whole nother conversation. Um, I I got to go Cosby. Just for, I think for the sentimental value of, of uh, Banner Society no longer being a thing, and it makes me super sad. Man. I was hoping you, because you love Jameson. I love Jameson, but you love Jameson, so I was kind of secretly hoping that you would you would take the like hipster niche pick and take what was an incredible interception. I mean, one of the most uh, athletic play I've seen in probably ten years. Sure, guys. If you if you if you don't know what we're talking about, you, some of your memories have been um, tarnished by staring at a TV for um, seventeen hours a day while you sit at home on on your couch. The aforementioned. Um, Google it. Get out there. Look it up. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll we'll tweet it out. I say that every week, and we rarely ever tweet the things out that I say we'll do. But that's 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 inside baseball. Um, <laughs> check it out. That Antoine Jameson, uh, or excuse me, wow, Antoine uh, Deshaun Jameson interception uh, from last season um, was that's how athletic it was. It made me think of a different sport entirely and my childhood. But Deshaun Jameson going up and just taking a ball like a bird of prey out of someone else's mouth. It was uh, it was a thing of beauty. But the answer here has to be Sam Cosby scoring that darn touchdown. It was so freaking beautiful. Um, he he looked like a ballerina um, trapped inside of a, you know, uh, giant prosthetic suit a la uh, Big Mama's house or something. He was just, uh, he was he was so graceful, so elegant, yet so powerful. Uh, I, want, I want three more catches in his career for Sam Cosby. Like, when Texas inevitably replays Oklahoma for the second time in the Big 12 championship, I hope it is a Sam Cosme touchdown that ultimately seals the Big 12 championship for us this season, again, assuming that football exists. 
Absolutely. Assuming football exists. Kyle, one random BOL that I do want to bring up uh, was Brandon Jones. The, the NFL is trying to come up with content like everybody else's. Uh, and they did some interviews with the rookies. And Brandon Jones was interviewed. And they asked him a couple of questions. And he and I, I've always loved Brandon Jones, but he and I really, he is, he is team Rose had room on the door in Titanic. <laughs> and I've never... I've never felt more connected to that player than I had when he said those words. It's such a, it's such a great take. Um, he's so correct. Uh, I love that they asked him and he kind of like thought he's like, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, come on. She had like, well, he clearly, this is just, why would anyone think differently? You know? Um, it, I mean, Brandon Jones has been great on film since the Texas uh, A&M uh, or Texags uh, video department created one uh, of him in high school. Uh, the man is good on tape. I'll say it that way. Obviously he's playing for your beloved dolphin. So I'm sure he'll be uh, full of more quotes, but the, uh, the, the, there was a, a couple other notes in there. He said he can beat anyone at NCAA uh, 14. So Gerald, um, you know, I think, think we probably have to get him somehow on a virtual competition um, because I have won a couple NCAA 14 tournaments um, and you have you have you have beaten me many a time we're, we're both fairly decent it may have been the pinnacle uh, of our video game Ming um, in life so we may have to get Brandon Jones on some kind of Longhorn Republic virtual streaming maybe we'll get uh, Kenny Vaccaro or the other Longhorn gamers to host it, and uh, and we can we can we can play against him. I mean, out of that beautiful interview, that's my takeaway. What's your besides the rose on the door? What are your other favorites? I mean, the the only other thing was he, they asked him if he would combine two animals, and the, the the answer he came up with was the cheetah and a shark, so you could be the fastest on land and in the water. Perfect. It makes perfect sense. I I would. I would go Gorilla Shark probably for very similar reasons, just because also opposable thumbs are a winner in most competitions. So that'd be my choice. But Cheetah Shark, I'm with you on the justification on why you chose that. Yeah, similarly, I mean, I like uh, I like Lion Bear, but I mean, I, I'm obviously going heavy land there. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I, I think he, he, it's hard to argue with that. He also said if he had to rename Peanut Butter, he'd call it Brown Stuff, which is just... <laughs> He used up all his A material on the other ones. Let's say yeah. <laughs> couldn't use the word peanut butter or peanuts apparently, but uh, yeah, right. that that was not not a winner. All right, so Gerald, that's uh, that's a nice uh, keeps our, our kind of lighthearted theme here for the burn orange lenses. Let's move it real quick to the final segment this week. Um, kind of talking about the uh, the things keeping this couch theme going through the whole episode that we're sitting on our couches watching on a small screen like we sat in DKR watching on the Godzilla Tron. Gerald, what are you watching? Uh, so like everybody, almost everybody in the United States, I watched Hamilton over the weekend. I liked it. It was good as advertised. Um, really, there some conversations need to be had, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, and then I started, so I'm actually an audiobook guy. I love audiobooks, and I usually listen to them while I'm talked about there's but you got to clean out the inbox you pull up the audiobook right you're mowing the lawn pull up the audiobook my wife and I are doing those last minute home improvement projects before uh, our second child arrives and so again throw on the airpods and I'm listening to a, uh, a book series it's, they it's kind of described as like grown-up Harry Potter it's called the magicians um, to be honest with you I would not recommend it but I'm kind of just committed at this point it's it's if you like it, that's more power to you, but I don't like the main character, and so I will probably no longer listen to it after I finish whatever this book is. I'm like two-thirds of the way through the first one. Uh, it's okay. 
it's it's fine. But that's that's what I spent some time on this week. I like that. Uh, as soon as I get them credentials from any of our dear listeners, uh, I, I'll get Disney Plus and, and watch uh, Hamilton like the rest of America. I, glad to be the last man standing. Gerald, I'm going to read you a list of names here, and and I and, and I'll let you um, I'll let you go ahead and and tell me um, what they maybe have in common. All right, um, and and I'm going to go quick because because there's a lot of them. All right, um, Jared Allen, Mondi Asamoa, Rob Bass. Uh, Chameleonaire, Morris Chestnut, Dustin Diamond, Earthquake, uh, Carmen Electra, Estelle, Faith Evans, Fabulous, Vivica A. Fox, Tamika Frazier, Kevin Frazier, Rudy Gay, uh, Cuba Gooden Jr., Tiffany Haddish, uh, Regina Hall, Hill Harper, Napoleon Harris, uh, let's see, keep it moving, Magic Johnson, Mike Jones, Leslie Jordan, Solange Knowles, Queen Latifah, Martin Lawrence, Nene Leakes, Lisa Ray, Lisa Leslie, Jojo Levesque, Lil Kim, Lil Romeo, Nia Long, J-Lo, Sean Marion, Penny Marshall, Willie McGinnis, Kel Mitchell, Monique, Taj Mowry, Music, or Music So Child, Chad Ochocinco, Kiki Palmer, Hayden Panettiere, Mario Van Peebles, skipping some here, obviously, Kyla Pratt, Pussycat Dolls, Raven Simone, Jerry Rice, Charlie Robinson, Jalen Rose, Kelly Rowland, Ephraim Salam, okay, Drew Sedora, Jessica Simpson, John Singleton, Kenny, the Jet Smith, Soldier Boy, Joss Stone, Keith Sweat, Nick Swisher, Keaton Thompson, Ashley Tilsdale, Too Short, Gabrielle Union, Chris Weber, Serena Williams, uh, Vanessa L. Williams, Amy Winehouse, Kellen Winslow, Jaleel White, and Jason Momoa. Gerald, what did I just list for you? Um, I've got nothing that's podcast appropriate to answer that with, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna spike it on that. One. I'm just gonna take a punt. What do we got? I said a couple weeks ago on the show that I was starting a a, a very bad show that had a couple very funny good moments. Um, but it is uh, BET and 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 the WB, I believe. I don't know which which it was originally, whatever that network was called at the times. Uh, hit show the game. Uh, I said it was about football, but everything except. The on the field stuff. Um, I wanted to give the people an update because I finished the game. So first of all, one thing I want to say: did not realize that's where the Jason Momoa gif, where he pops the chair open that's in every comments thread, uh, the camp chair comes from. It's while he's 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 attending a child's soccer game. Um, all of those names I listed, including series regular Rick Fox, who wasn't listed in that because he's actually a cast member on this show, made guest appearances. I cannot think of another show, and I'm including HBO's Entourage, that had a list so impressive and so ridiculous of any show in the history of TV, uh, and I'll even throw in or movies. Um, Hit me, hit me back in the replies of Texas if you know of a show with more. I mean, come on! Like I could have picked any six of those and, and created the world's greatest TV show. I mean, that it just, just absolutely, unbelievably unmatched and beautiful. Check out the game. The episodes are like twenty minutes, real easy to stream. It's terrible, but it's good. You'll laugh some. Um, I may not, but thank you for the recommendation. <laughs> I believe you mean esports team owner Rick Fox. By the way, also that's oh okay. Yeah, Rick Fox is a Renaissance man, actor, esports team owner. A lot going on, but that is all we've got for you, mercifully this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? 
Uh, you can find me in Rick Fox's living room. No, I wish. Uh, Rick Fox. No, he uh, – I won't go any further. You can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this weekend. Until next time, hook them. Hook them. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. <laughs>